You're experiencing performance anxiety with me, Mark Shea. This week, we feature Marcus John. He's a creative director whose clients include Big Boy from Outcast, Ludacris, Tyra Banks, iHeartRadio, Amazon.com, and so many more. We talk about how he went from giving himself bad haircuts to styling Kevin Hart. We also talk about his new focus, Straightforward Foundation. Marcus tells us what it's all about, why he started it, and the amazing stories he has because of it. Here's Marcus John. My name is Marcus John, and I am a creative director, fashion coordinator, founder, and executive director in the fashion, creative, art, and medical industry. Name of the show. And the name of the show is Performance Society. Are you into sports at all? Or? Yes. Um, I, I watch basketball, the NBA. I uh, played basketball, football, all that, like in high school and basketball in college and whatnot. Oh, yeah. Um, Who are your so, teams? Yeah, I'm a, so I was raised in Boston, so I'm a okay. big Celtics fan. Oh, there you go. And I was raised in Boston and Atlanta, but a uh, big Celtics fan over the Hawks. Um, and then I am a Patriots fan, but oh wow, you know, it's it's yeah, it's just uh, uh, yes. <laughs> they have a lot going on. <laughs> yeah, what do you think about Edelman getting suspended for four games? Yeah, yeah that's like, uh, yeah, that's <laughs> man. You know what? I'm I'm kind of shocked. I always thought he was more of a the, the clean cut guy. But you know, I'm a I'm a big Alabama fan. I I lived in Alabama okay. for years. My wife and my kids were born and raised down there. And um, okay. my wife, you know, before we got married, she, I mean, she lived down there. Let's see, we moved up here in 2012. I don't know. Uh, okay, for years, you know, she lived down there her whole life until we moved up you here. Should know this. I know. I know. I know. She, I hope. I pray to God she doesn't listen to these shows. Um, but my kids are all born down there. And, and uh, my brother went to school to, at Alabama. So I used to go all the time and I became a huge Alabama fan. And uh, one of my, where are you from originally? Oh gosh, let's see. Well, I was born in Texas and then I uh, okay. moved to New Jersey mm-hmm. then Virginia and then back up to New Jersey. And then I went up to RIT for college to study photography and then uh, came back down to Alabama, uh, to Virginia, uh, <laughs> New Jersey. Mm-hmm. And uh, mm-hmm. my dad had moved down to Alabama and I got into a car accident. It kind of screwed up my back uh, and uh, decided uh, now's a good time to go move back, back with my dad. Mm-hmm. So that's what I did. And uh, ended up being great. So yeah, eight, eight, ten years later, I moved back up to Virginia and, and now I'm doing podcasts. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so you, you said you, you grew up between Boston and Atlanta. Correct. So uh, where where were you you, you mainly? I, I read somewhere your grandfather mm-hmm. worked for Brooks Brothers in in, in uh, Boston. Is that right? Yes. Yep. How so did, I tell me a little tell me a little bit about that. Did that get you into into fashion and, and design and all? So I um it it so fashion wise I feel like it's in my DNA sort of say and I know it kind of sounds cliche but I think just being raised and around a group of well dressed men. Mm-hmm. Especially my grandfather, they like set the tone, always well groomed and always, you know, leaving in like a suit. So my entire family is Jamaican. So, okay. you know, putting a suit on is like this guy means business. He is someone like, you know, especially like during the day when he was born um, yeah. or when he was living or whatnot. You know, it was like, OK, this guy is legit. 
And that's how he just always carried himself. And that was like his pride and joy, just really looking distinctive, whether he had like a driver's hat on or like some cool frames um, at the time, like square frames are like in, in, um, in trend or whatnot. And mm-hmm. he was always like in circles, like just more so circular lenses. And so just always kind of um, just going against the grain, but making it his own. So okay. even, so he passed away when I was younger, but just seeing his photos and growing up with just hearing stories, you know, within the family about him and, I was just like, okay, you know, this, this is how I should kind of carry myself or, you know, whether it be always staying groomed and a funny story. Um, so I, I, so sorry, I know I'm kind of jumping all over, but no, I'll get back to your answer. That's fine. That's fine. <laughs> okay. So getting into fashion professionally, no, but to just really carry myself in a well-respected or distinctive way where I would more so stand out or something would just be distinctive amongst you know, whether it be like a specific silhouette or cut of a shirt or a pant or whatever the case is. So just knowing that and having my DNA, but I was professionally um, introduced or got into the fashion industry, maybe like when I, as soon as I graduated high school. Okay. Uh, Yeah. So I was, um, so I think I was, I was in high school in Atlanta and you know, at the time you had like your, your cliques and your posses and the crews <laughs> or whatnot, you know yeah, what I mean? So yeah. I, um, we had, I had my own. And so ever since middle school, I would always win. We used to have like superlatives, most funniest, uh, best looking, whatever the case is. Although I was gypped on, um, best looking every single year. But <laughs> <laughs> You know what? I, I, I like to think the same thing. You were gypped every year. Me, not every so much. <laughs> you no, maybe. No, but, uh, but I did win best dressed, uh, twice. So I won best dressed twice and I won most likely to succeed. That was really random for me to win. Um, <laughs> and I think I won that because I was I always had an entrepreneurial spirit and I used to cut hair um, in school. So I used to cut hair. <laughs> like, like I started, good or like, like you were well, like, had the, I used to get paid. Well, that's <laughs> good. I mean, you didn't make people look like Harry and Lloyd from Dumb and Dumber, did you? No, no, right. not purposely. At least. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah, so I started cutting hair, funny enough, at the age of 11, right? So wow. this once again goes to, so we're, we're from, um, you know, like a lower class community and whatnot. So it was, I always liked looking good, but my mother couldn't always afford to get my hair cut every single time that I wanted it, or at least have like a fresh lineup. I, I know <laughs> so. how you feel. Take a look at me, man. I, I'm look, I look like one of the Oak Ridge boys from the seventies at this point. I, I need, I need a haircut badly. <laughs> so sorry. I didn't mean so to interrupt what? you. No, 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 no. It's cool. It's good. It fits you though. It fits you well. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you. It's like the, the scruffy look, that, yeah. The, yeah, the sexy scruffy look. Oh, there you go. I'm going to, you know, I'm going to isolate that. And I'm going to play yeah. that whenever I'm feeling bad, I'm going to put that on my phone and it, Marcus yeah. John, it looks good yeah. on you. See, all you gotta do is, is unbutton two of those buttons and just put a little lotion, a little oil on your chest. All right. Well, let's see. I don't have the oil right now. But oh, wait a second. Wait, wait. I might have oil right here. I have, I have a stress release eucalyptus tangerine body lotion from one of my my wife. I hope. Anyway, all right. Yeah, yeah. So you're so, saying. Um, yeah, started cutting hair. Um, Back to you. So uh, my sister bought me my first clippers, and my mother was just very confused as to why she would buy an 11-year-old uh, <laughs> pair of clippers. <laughs> I would be too, to be honest with you. <laughs> but that's what I wanted. Like, literally, that's wow. what I wanted for Christmas. So she purchased that for me for Christmas. 
and I just started cutting my hair. I jacked my hair up very bad for the <laughs> first like five times, like really bad. Like, and my mother was the type of mom where she would just allow me to still go to school. She wouldn't take me to to the barber to correct my hair. Right. She's like, no, you did it. You did it. You're going to deal with it. And there you go. Right. Nah. There. You're going to school. No hat, <laughs> no anything. And in high school, you know, every so often you can have hat days. Right. So yeah. I would just pray for hat days but oh, then it would last like a week you know a jacked up haircut but i like your uh, mom so yeah because <laughs> <laughs> that, that's me as a parent my uh, you know what you messed it up you got to live with it yeah because like i can't afford the, to go fixing everybody's mistakes exactly yeah yeah so, it's like you do the crime you do the time yeah, <laughs> so, exactly. so uh i started experimenting uh, a group of friends of mine who were really cool and I knew I would jack my hair, but I knew I needed more practice. But there's only so much you can do when your hair is messed up. You can't keep messing it up because you're just going to just go bald. Yeah, <laughs> like, yeah. <laughs> so you just have to shave your entire head. <laughs> so I, I influenced uh, and I convinced a group of friends, hey, let me practice on you. It's a free haircut. Jack the hair, hair up a couple times. And then I eventually, in honesty, started getting better. So okay. then this is maybe maybe a, two months, like, and maybe three times a week. Just keep going, keep going, keep going. Wow. And I became, yeah, I, be, I, I became, I became good. Right. You know, that, to be honest with you, at that, that age, having that many people come to you in a week, that's really, well, that's, it was like, it, it was in rotation. So it was like maybe three or four friends in rotation. Yeah. But so I, I would, yeah. I don't think I had that many friends that would be willing to let me do anything. <laughs> I mean, you know, I was always the leader of the pack, and I was like, "Listen, Man. this is a great idea. <laughs> like, you're gonna, you're gonna get your hair cut." That's crazy. And, you, know, you know, just <laughs> most people, most kids, eleven years old, they want like. Well, when I was a kid, I was like Nintendo. I don't know what it is now. PlayStation, something mm. or other. You got Clippers. Yeah, man. iPhones That's now, crazy. right? Yeah. <laughs> I'm kidding. Yeah. But I mean, I would get cursed. My mom, my my mom would get cursed out by their parents. <laughs> you know what I mean? Why, why yeah. did your son do this to my? Yeah, it was a long story, but I just kept going. And um, long story short, so I always had an entrepreneurial mindset, and I started cutting hair, and then from there, I was also airbrushing in high school. Okay. So yeah, there's been a couple of times where I got suspended you know, for cutting hair, for you know making money on school grounds. <laughs> 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 they, they, they should have been happy. You weren't doing it. You, you're cutting hair. You're making people look good. Exactly. Kind of. Yeah. It could have been Eventually. so much worse. Eventually. It could have been. Yeah. It definitely could have been. You, wanna, speak, you know what? It's funny because thinking about that, and this is just, I don't know why this popped into my head, but speaking of a high school and, and horrible things happening in high school, I graduated in 1991 in high school. So my time in high school talking about bad things, you know, people doing bad things in high school. Mm-hmm. My high school had a smoking patio for the students. <laughs> I'm not even making that up. That's, I mean, I'm serious. You know, they st- you supposedly had to be 18, to go on, but nobody, they stopped you. They didn't stop you. I mean, they were the freshmen, you know, 14 year old kids wow. sitting there. They, yeah. You had a pack of smoke. You go out there and you smoke between, yeah. between classes. Yeah. And, that, yeah. you know, and, and there you are, you're cutting somebody's hair. You're trying to make them look good, being entrepreneurial, and you're getting in trouble. Well, meanwhile, some, yeah. some you know, jack wagon in New Jersey is sitting there yeah. smoking his face off. Uh, yeah. Education today is not what it used to be. Anyway, I, I keep interrupting you. I'm sorry. So, so you're you're cutting hair in school, yeah. getting in trouble. Yeah. But only, and oh, there goes my dog. I don't know if you could hear that. Uh, yeah, yeah. Um. So you decided. 
is that how you decided to get into uh, fashion or because uh, you end up going to GSU, right? Was it? Yes. Okay. So after high school, and sorry, so back to the story. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, was like, I knew I was, I knew I was on to something. I yeah. no rush. So back to the story. Um, we, so we had, like I said, we had like our own crews or whatnot. And someone from like another crew, which we never spoke, but you know, people, we all knew of one another, but it was never, it was never like, oh, you know, we're friends. It I was almost like, I, I actually love ice cream. Yeah, no problem. <laughs> <laughs> so I was always, so it was like, um, I don't, we're not going to talk to each other, but we know each other and we know, you know, like what's going on, who they are, whatever, whatever. So long story short, this is when at the time Def Jam, the record label was oh, giving yeah. out like just, you know, like they, they were giving out contracts after contract and signing people or whatnot and yeah, young yeah. kids, especially like in Atlanta, I went to school in Atlanta. So he was signed to Def Jam at the time and he was, um, you know, basically had people come up to me like, yo, you know, such and such just got signed. You know, um, he's looking for a stylist, <clears throat> you know, and I'm like, I knew nothing of the business at all. All okay. I knew was being a tailor. And at the time, now it's like a tailor and like a dressmaker or uh, a garment maker is they're like different now for some reason. But at the, but back in the day when my grandfather was working for Brick Brothers, a tailor is meant it meant that you made suits yeah. that like altered so but now okay. it's just like oh i tailor but you kind of do alterations but yeah so anyway okay okay um so he was yeah. like you know so but finally he comes up to me and was just like hey i know you probably know but i just got signed you know kind of flexing his muscles just a bit whatever <laughs> and i was like okay i, I was I, I was i acted as if i didn't know that though i was like oh you did oh congrats that's, that's cool <laughs> But you know, why are you telling me this? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Like, why are you? Like, who cares? Yeah, so, <laughs> that's no big deal. So anyway, so, yeah. I'm about to get signed too. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So then he was like, um, you know, and um, the, um, my management asked me if I had a stylist because um, he at the time they, he didn't have a manager and they kind of you know gave him manager or whatever. And how old was so, he at this point? He was eight. So we were like seventeen, eighteen. Who so, who's eighteen years old and has a stylist? I don't know. I, mean, I, I didn't know. Like I said, I didn't know what a stylist I mean, was. Yeah, I mean, so it I mean, went right over my head. So, yeah. so <laughs> I like signs to me. Let's say I'm a I'm a I'm a record producer. I find an 18 year old kid. I think the last thing I'm going to ask him is, "Do you have a stylist?" I'm, I'm going well, to assign one to him. But yeah, I mean, I think too. Once you're in that business, I can see a Justin Bieber at that like, 18 <laughs> having the uh, stylist and okay. all these newer acts. I, I can see it, but to say, oh, I don't know, or probably their parents or their older brother, Justin. I don't know. So anyway, my so, grandma, yeah, or or grandma, yeah. yeah. <laughs> that, was, grandma. that was my stylist <laughs> back when I was eighteen. That was mine. <laughs> so then um, he was like, "I was I didn't know what a stylist was." So long story short, two months of me just kind of BSing them and just putting them off because I just honestly didn't know I can get paid for dressing someone. He was just so I was like, "So how do you how do you even want to look?" Like I'm I'm just confused because now I'm asking questions as. So why are you so persistent <laughs> to <laughs> ask me to tell you? So then uh, he was just like, honestly, man, I just want to look like you. So I was oh. like, oh, okay. Well, that's very easy. If I'm getting paid to make someone look like me. That's fantastic. Cool. Wow. Like, let's, let's do it. Yeah. So I started working with him. <clears throat> I was styling him. And then from there, just um, getting introduced to this. To, so he would go to like an award show and I was selling for the award show. And then someone would, oh my gosh, you know, this where's your suit from or whatever he was wearing at the time and then he was always good because he would be like oh my you gotta ask my stylist and he was so not to say he was always looking out for me 
But because he didn't pay attention to labels or suits or knew nothing of it, he had to ask me. Oh, <laughs> you know what I mean? Okay, okay. So it wasn't like he was trying to like promote me or he was just more so like, oh, I don't know, act, act my style yeah, kind he, of thing. Okay, okay. That so makes sense. With that, yeah, with, with doing that, I was able to make some connections at such an early um, young age. But I kind of got pigeonholed because I was styling a lot of hip hop artists. And at the time, it was, you know, them more so dressing all alike and or very similar. So if a trend was in this, although he was dressing like me, he would want. And it was almost like a struggle, like tug of war a bit. Like if he's seen someone like at this specific time in Atlanta, I think it was like 2005, everyone had like white tees on. It was like a white tee craze. And then it was like Louis Vuitton belts. And then it was like Levi jeans. And so it was like, I don't dress like this anymore. So I kind of, you know, the money wasn't, it wasn't all, like it it was good, especially being at 18 years old and having to cut, coming from cutting hair and airbrushing. (laughs) You know what I mean? So yeah, yeah, it it was great actually at that age, but it was just, I kind of was pigeonholed because I feel like my creativity just started plummeting. And, um, I then went to a high fashion event and I saw this girl and her name was Erica Bogart. I'm say her name because she doesn't know the story, actually. But um, okay. so she's a makeup artist. Beautiful, 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 like very, like extremely attractive. She's like, she's Italian, I believe. Extremely attractive. I was very intimidated to speak to her. Right. But I knew I wanted to say something, but I didn't, I didn't know what to say. You know, like your regular guy. Oh, yeah. Like, you know, yep. should I throw like a carrot at her? Like, I don't know. What, how do I get her attention? <laughs> like, I don't know. So, so anyway, so she comes up to me. And so she compliments me on a pair of shoes I was wearing at the time. Oh, and nice. then I was just like, oh, nice. But it was a quick compliment. It wasn't like a full on you know, conversation. Then I just kind of kept asking questions over and over and over and over again. Yeah. So anyway, so she was like, what do you do? And I was like, oh, I'm a stylist. And she was like, oh, I'm a makeup artist. And I was like, oh, great. I was like, that's amazing. I was like, we should collab. So then she was like, yeah, do you have any of your um, work on you? And I didn't have it on my phone, but I was like, um, do you, this is when I had a Palm Pilot, actually. Uh, you see that guy yeah. over there? That's my work. <laughs> yeah, I know, right? Yeah. But, uh, but, but this was where I was kind of, I wasn't, I wasn't with my artist. Oh, uh, okay. Myself. So, um, so you should have so taken him everywhere like, you went. Oh, I know, right? <laughs> but at this time, I didn't even like bragging about adjusting anymore because he was just so kind of caught up in the trends. <laughs> So she was just like, oh, here's some of my work. And she had like a portfolio with her and she was styling stuff for Vogue. I'm sorry, for um, 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 Esquire magazine, which was huge at the time. Wow. Uh, Details magazine, things that like that, like more so on the editorial high fashion side. OK. And I didn't even want to show her my portfolio because I had no professional images. Mine okay. was just more so like, you know, shots of him getting ready for an event things of that nature, but oh, it wasn't like right. really professional portfolio driven shots or whatever. Right, right. So when I saw that, I was just like, she's like, well, we have to work together. And I was just like, uh, that's where you got a little performance anxiety right there. Yeah, definitely. Definitely got performance anxiety. And then she was just like, no, we should just, we should work. So she actually called me the next uh, morning and she called me. I remember like, <laughs> It was like seven in the morning, which was super early, wow. right? And I'm like, I, I, I thought it was like a butt dial, right? I thought it was a butt dial. And I'm like, and so I answered. I was like, hello. <laughs> she was like, hey, Marcus. I was like, yeah. She was like, hey, this is Erica. Just wanted to tell you it was great meeting you. Super professional. Just wanted to tell you it was great meeting you. You know, once again, when you get some of your work, 
send it over to me looking for you know hopefully we can make some uh, work together whatever yeah so i was just like okay i really gotta get like my stuff together so <clears throat> anyway didn't i and i told her so i had a meeting with her we grabbed like a drink this was now i was like 21 where i can actually drink and she was <laughs> she's a little older than me so she was like 24 25 and i just kept it real with her i was like listen i don't have a impressive portfolio like yourself but i, I feel like i have vision and she was just like, okay, listen, we have a test shoot coming up, meaning like this is a practice shoot mm-hmm. and they pitch it to other uh, publications or whatever the case is for, you know, to submit it to see if we can get featured. Okay. And so I just kept test shooting with her and she was always like, oh, this is great. This is great. And the photographers, this is great um, or whatnot. And that's what really was my introduction to fashion. And that's what built my confidence. And funny enough, from me styling that first guy to say 21 to like, I mean, even now it just flipped because now 90% of my clients are females where I was okay. scared to even style a woman because <laughs> different shapes, different body parts, different yeah. like yeah, um, everything. So I don't even like picking clothes out for my wife and she's like, Hey, go <laughs> find me a blouse. I'm like, uh, blouse. What's a blouse? Yeah. 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 Uh, how about this blue shirt? So, yeah, yeah. yeah. So I'm, I'm, I'm impressed by that alone. So, yeah. <laughs> so, so, that was, yeah. so you go from that, and, and how old are you at that point? Um. So when I first started, I was when I started taking myself seriously, like twenty, maybe twenty one, twenty two. And it's is this after college? So this is during college. During college, yeah. Okay, I, so you yeah. went to Georgia State, correct? And uh, all right, go Panthers. So. uh Let's see. You didn't. You, if I remember correctly, you, you told me you did not go to school for design. Correct. So, what did you go yep. to school for, and why not design? I didn't even want to go to school. So my sister forced me to go to school. <laughs> <laughs> my sister forced me to go to school. I was one of those kids that I was like, "Shoot, I'm working for the artists and like the record label, and like you know, I got my own clients and da da da. Why do I need school? And you know, blah 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 blah." So anyway, and, and I couldn't go into design school because I felt like I didn't even apply, but I felt like I wouldn't get accepted because okay. I didn't know how to draw. But And I thought oh, okay. you would have had to draw in order to be a designer. That so makes I, I just sense. was associating, <clears throat> but like now you got like Photoshop, all yeah. this type of Tell digital things it. you can do. But <laughs> I thought it was, you have to have pencil, paper, you have to be able to draw. But um, so anyway, so I went to school for business marketing and... Uh, and I, yeah, I'm just, I'm, I'm just self-taught with, with, with everything, well, you know, it sounds like going to school for business and marketing was a great idea. So, yeah, you know, I, I remember two classes though, from my entire college <laughs> <career>. <laughs> <laughs> I remember, yeah, one of them actually was business communications where my teacher would force me to speak, um, in front of like, was it like a high five? I wasn't sure. Yeah. <laughs> yeah <woo-hoo. laughs> Not joking, but, um, <laughs> I was like, all right, uh, I'm with it. I'm I, with got, it. I got a fly, no, but, but you know, I no, like the high cool. five idea too. That was good. that was better. <laughs> so yeah, um, and she would always just force me to speak in front of, like, you know, at the time it was, all right, you know, students. I think we had a class of sixty in the auditorium. You know, <clears throat> pick, you know, raise your hand if you want to present first. Of course, no one raised their hand. Oh yeah, and then uh, <laughs> yeah, right. I, I, I know that I, one. <laughs> I felt like she would always single me out. I don't know why. 
it was like three times where she called on me first. Oh. And I'm just like, oh my gosh, I hate this woman. But it ended up being still to this day, someone, one of the only teachers that I keep in contact with out of my entire uh, college career. Really? Oh, cool. Mm-hmm. Well, I, I, I know what you mean, because that's one of the reasons I got into photography is because I was kind of shy and I like mm-hmm. being behind the camera and not the focus mm-hmm. of the camera. And so I mm-hmm. felt like I could just, I loved photography. I loved taking photos. I loved Mm-hmm. I, and it's funny because I didn't really love showing them to people, but, uh, but I got a lot of encouragement from my family and from uh, my art teachers in school. And when I found, I thought it was going to be this awesome experience going to school for photography. And it was the worst thing ever. I thought it was yeah. going to be like, Hey, I'm going to be with this group of people like me and we're all going to be teaching and, and, and learning from each other. And, and it's not, it's, it's yeah. you taking an insane amount of photos. And this is back before digital photography. So, you know, every, mm-hmm. every assignment, like shoot 10 rolls of film on such and such mm-hmm. a subject. And I'm broke. And I'm like, yeah, I can't afford 10 rolls of film. So I'll shoot like yeah. three. And then your teacher critiques you. And, and then yeah. I wasn't mature enough to take it constructively. I was, it ended up being feeling more personal. And then, <laughs> and then, you see one of your students, your, uh, excuse me, one of your classmates do something amazing. You're like, how did you do that? I'm not, mm-hmm. I'm not telling you. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. What? That's what we're here for. <laughs> yeah, but you know, that's my thing. If I show you how to do it, then I might not get as good of a grade. Yeah. Like, oh, come on. <laughs> so I, I, I wish I had gone your route and taken a, a marketing degree. Yeah. So, okay. <laughs> anyway, so, so you, grad, you, you, leave, you leave college. You're done with college. Yeah. Yeah. And um, are you are you still in contact with, with uh, was it Erica? Erica? Erica, yes. And uh, so is that how you got you start really getting some of the the larger clients? Because you you're I'm looking at the list of clients. I'm, I'm going to list yeah. a few here real fast. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. Um, Amazon, mm-hmm. <laughs> that's pretty big. Outcast, mm-hmm. iHeartRadio, Kevin Hart, mm-hmm. Ludacris, Tyra Banks, and the list just keeps going on and on and on. And yeah, so. Did you, did you just jump into stuff like that? Or did you work your way up to clients like that? Or, or because of your connections with Erica and her connections, were you, were you, did you just hit the ground running and, and start with some big yeah. clients? So I, I'm like an all or nothing kind of guy, like with anything and everything that I do. It's, it's, you know, it's either you love me <laughs> or you hate me kind of thing. <laughs> and people, you know, like people kind of get scared. Like Marcus, are you sure you want to do this? <laughs> like, you know, and I'm like, Hey, you know, I'm, I'm still young. And if, if, if there's anything that could go wrong, I would prefer it be during my twenties or thirties, whatever the case is. So I dove into it. Um, so I started once again in New, um, sorry, in Atlanta. Okay. So I was working at a shoot with Kevin Hart, in Atlanta, I was I styled a big boy from Outcast. I started with him. This was in Atlanta as well. And how did, how did that was, happen? How did that come about? Yeah, so just based off of me building my portfolio, I was always like, I always felt like you know your net worth is going to be your net worth. So I was always trying to figure out where these cool events with these high rollers are, where you know the most. Um, uh, prominent people not high rollers from a financial standpoint but just more so like you know the, the top dogs high profile yeah okay. the top dogs within their respective industry so where are the best photographers at where are the best 
makeup artist, whatever the case is. They, they're you know, on this podcast in, right now. I just, I'll tell you there, that. Okay, okay, okay. <laughs> so I needed to be in the scene. And um, because I always felt, although I didn't have anything to show for it, I always felt like I had it. And my thing was, and I think that I'm really, really great at, and you know, I know we'll get into this later with the whole nonprofit thing, but I feel like I am a great storyteller and, and I am able to influence people to a certain, just enough to give me a chance. And then once I get that chance, it's like, I really love this guy. Or, okay, he, he definitely showed his worth or whatever the case is. So I would just um, speak to photographers and be like, hey, you know, it's, it, to me, I like living in the present and in the future. Like, okay. I understand you have to show a history and show a resume. But also speaking, it's what are you doing now? How are you? Are you relevant now? And are you, you know, do you know the trends? Like, just to kind of stay you know, just kind of, do you know the trends to stay noticeable and stay relevant, but also putting your own spin on it? So okay. I was studying, I would spend so much time at like uh, Borders. I don't know, I think that, that store is closed now, like the bookstore. Yeah, I think so. I think so. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. So yeah, like literally that's, yeah, that was like a decade now. So Man. a decade ago. So I would spend time in Borders just literally looking at magazines for hours and hours and hours and hours of the day, just seeing and trying to draw a relation between the editorials in Harper's Bazaar and editorials in GQ and editorials and whatever the case is. And a lot of my fashion influence comes from overseas uh, magazines, such as like Japan and UK and Paris, Italy, things like that. Okay. But um, so when I was able to speak to these people, it was me just really going all in, showing my hands or whatnot, saying like, listen, I know this is trendy right now. And did you see the editorial from such and such? And I think because I knew how to talk to talk, they were more so like, wow, like, you know, this, this guy's impressive. So, you know, let's definitely give him a chance. And then the hardest part for me, though, although I had the, the vision and the idea, it was the contacts from stores and from boutiques because I couldn't really pull clothing. Okay. So and then the boutiques that I did have pull clothing means like I can borrow their clothes for the photo shoot okay. versus buying and returning. Um, stores hate that and they're like, <laughs> black, they're trying to blacklist you. But like, yeah. <laughs> they so, really hate it when you just want cash and not store credit. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that too. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. And that's why now a lot of these stores and especially boutiques only implement store credit or just no return. <sighs> Man, jeez. So, yeah. So, so, so need, those so yeah, contacts are crucial for you then. Contacts are always, I think still to this day, just anything that anyone does, I think contacts are crucial. And, um, so this one gentleman, he's a uh, photographer, a Brazilian photographer. He gave me a chance. I worked with him maybe five times before he gave me the opportunity. It was really last minute. I'm not sure if Kevin Hart um, had a stylist and who could make it or whatever the case is. But so he had the job initially and he was just like, call me last minute. Kevin Hart doesn't have a stylist. Like, what are you doing? I think it was I had like three days to prep for it, wow. which it was almost like. Cold red, cold red, that's, cold red. Because I'm like, man, yeah, like, what do I do? Like, what do I get close? Even, even I know that's not a whole lot of time. Yeah, yeah, no, 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 man. Yeah, yeah. I mean, Gosh. you know, it, it's 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 literally it's yeah, it wasn't enough. It, but I wasn't gonna say no. <laughs> well, yeah, no. Hey, you, you know, because I because from what I'm hearing from you, the way you think, you know, you, you got to do it. If, if the worst you can do is yeah. fail, it, it's yeah, not gonna exactly. kill you. I hope not. Yeah, yeah, you know, well, Kevin Hart now might. Kevin Hart back then, probably not. Yeah, yeah. Well, maybe back then he'll kill me. Now he has too much, you know. (laughs) He's got too much on the line now. He can't do that. He's got too much on the line, yeah, yeah. So, 
<laughs> so yeah, so um, I styled him. He was very hilarious, and I think he and I go in very truthful as well. So I'm not like I'm this big shot, whatever, whatever. Yeah, you know, he asked me how long you been doing this for, and I'm like a little under a year. And then he, you know, him being funny, he was just like. I don't think, well, what, you know, like, what's the, you know, like, I, I can actually like, pick you face. with me right now. Yeah. yeah. yeah, yeah. Like, what are you doing? With, why are you in the same room as me? Right? Like, but in a jokingly manner. Yeah. So, yeah, so, but you know, he liked it. The, the, the images came out really, really well. It was for a publication based in Atlanta and just from there. And, you know, so um, my, the photographer and I, we built like a great working relationship. And that's also how I got the opportunity to style uh, big boy from outcast starting there. And then oh, okay. met Andre right after um so just always leveraging and just finding someone who was always better than me and just trying to like figure out how we can work with one another and just giving them my ideas hopefully to influence them and giving me the opportunity to more so bring me into their world and that's basically how that happened and from there um i kind of felt as if I was growing at a very rapid pace, especially for one year within my first year already styling like these A-list celebrities. Yeah. I wanted to take things up a notch. So one day I just moved to New York. Um, I told my mom, I was like, um, mom, I think I want to go to New York. She was just like, Oh, okay. Kind of like chuckling and laughing. Yeah. She's like, when? I was like, next week. She was just like, <laughs> what? No, wow. yeah, literally, I yeah. I moved to New York in one week. Oh my gosh. I moved to New York in one week. I moved to New York on my birthday at that. Oh, wow. That's, yeah. well, that's, you know what? That's a great birthday present to yourself. Yeah. You know what? Yeah. I'm going to anniversary in New York anniversary. Yeah. I'm going to start my career. I'm, I'm there. That's my birthday to me is to go where my career is going to grow. Yep. And that's where it basically though, it was very hard for me. Cause I had no, I didn't come to New York with, it wasn't a well thought out plan. Once again, it was all, <laughs> well, all but, that kind of guy. Yeah. Well, yeah. you know, and then, yeah, I'm going to go move to New York next week. Yeah. You probably don't yeah. have time to put together much of a plan. That and then cost of living is so expensive oh, yeah. versus in Atlanta and New York. What I'm paying right now for like uh, a one bedroom, one bedroom apartment, I can I'll probably have a mansion in 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 Atlanta. With like literally five bedroom. Yeah, my my friend just bought a house recently in East Atlanta, which is like a very nice area right now. Mm -hmm. And he has like a four bedroom house, two car garage. He has, I think, three levels. Um, long story short, he's paying like nine hundred and fifty dollars a month. Oh, you know, and I'm geez. like nine fifty. You know that can give me closet space in New York. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. I mean, that, that, that can, I mean, I lived in New Jersey. I used to go to New York. Had friends that lived in New York. Uh, a couple friends that tried to break into modeling and stuff, and they would all go mm -hmm. to New York and you know mm -hmm. and and you know even back then it was ridiculous. I can't. I mean, yeah, nine fifty. I mean, you'd have to. You'd have to get a couple other people to share that closet with you. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh, man. Seriously, yeah. So, yeah. so moved to New York, and, but I knew I wanted to just be in like the be in the area that's because I'm very competitive, and I feel like once I put myself in that environment, I'm always going to excel. And this is me once again, just knowing like never giving up, cutting hair from being horrible at it to now being great at it to. You know, I feel as if I'm great at it. I think I am. I, I really feel like I am. But from <laughs> I feel that like I should get to, my yeah, yeah. cut right now. And even like um, basketball, when I first started, I was good. I was always good in basketball naturally, but football, I wasn't. Okay. And I was a wide receiver, but I just kept practicing, kept practicing, kept practicing. I became better. So, and even with my communications class. So I just kind of looked at my life overall in the past at this specific time, like 
when have I really ever failed? I made a lot of mistakes, but the only time I failed is when I really, if, if I were to have quit something. Right. So I was like, you know what? Once again, I'm still young and let's, let's do it. So I just packed my bags, moved to New York. And then from there is how it was all or nothing. It was, it was sink or swim. Like literally it was, um, me having to put myself out there, me having to continually finding areas where these influencer or influential people would be where I knew I was getting invited to like these uh, galas or these um, GQ events, but me just dressing up, walking in front of that door, looking, you know, walking in front of um, the person who's taking or checking the list. Mm-hmm. Hey, what's your name? Marcus John. Marcus John, looking on the list. Where are you at? Where are you at? Where are you at? You know, on the list. Sorry. And me looking around like, you sure? Check it again. John Marcus got two first names. Kind of <laughs> weird. Check it again. Checking again. Not on there. And me saying like, well, you know, making a joke like, well, I didn't dress up for no reason. I'm like, like who, who's the, who's running the door? Like, you know, who's the PR? So just kind of That's pressuring so awesome. them. And I noticed that in New York is when someone tells you no, especially at a door, and you just say okay, or just kind of start to panic or become nervous, then it's just like, okay, he doesn't belong here. Yeah. But if you're just standing firm, like no, check it again. They're looking at you. Okay, this guy must be someone, and it must be our mistake. Let yeah. him in. That so see, look, performance anxiety tip: don't get performance anxiety <laughs> in front of somebody at the door. Yeah, so. that and just with a lot of things, you know, <laughs> just don't take no for an answer. If you feel like you belong somewhere, just keep at it. And I started going into these big events, and you know, getting people's business cards, networking, and um, just slowly but surely leveraging every single relationship that I had. So, I've heard stories similar. To this with with di- people in different um, different industries or music, I just I had figured I'd go up and go to L.A. or go to New York. I mean, and and you did it probably faster than most people. What mm-hmm. you said you didn't have much of a plan, but you had to find some place to live. How did yeah. what <laughs> did you yeah. did you were you just living in a hotel for a little while or how did, <laughs> how did, how did, how did no, you there go was a for park. The, there was a park bench that I <laughs> <found out>. <laughs> <laughs> no so i actually i knew one friend here and uh he lived like deep in queens though so it was like i wasn't even in new york oh, <laughs> but wow, yeah. i was like you know i'm in this state of new york and <laughs> you're in one I of the boroughs like, you know, I'm, cl- I'm in one of the boroughs and i'm like i'm closer than atlanta <laughs> so it would take me like an hour to get to like maybe an hour, like 30 minutes, whatever, to get to like where I need to be, like wherever Midtown, New York or downtown, whatever. But I stayed with him for maybe. I want to say like a week and a half, two weeks. And yeah. then this is me just every day. And this is at the time when Craigslist was Craigslist was safe and not to say it's not safe now, but looking for an apartment. Well, should I say mur- there are so, fewer <laughs> murders. <laughs> oh, there are fewer murders. Yeah, yeah. And I found this spot on Craigslist and, you know, a week and a half later, he was like, Marcus, you don't have to move out this quickly. I, I understand that you're out here because I didn't move with a job. You know, right. I haven't had a job. My last job that I had. So my first job that I had, my official first job, rather than cutting my hair, um, <laughs> I was a mechanic. <laughs> I was a mechanic. Wow. Which is. Yeah. So also a Jamaican stereotype. Most men are mechanics, right? Is it, I, <laughs> so, see that that yeah, one I don't yeah. know. That's a new one for me. I didn't know most we, Jamaicans are stereotypically yeah. mechanics. I don't even think that's mechanics, a real sentence. We own restaurants. <laughs> we, uh, <laughs> yeah. So well, this hey. point. So I, and then it was at a young age. I was like seventeen years old. So I wasn't. I was just more so, you know, dumping the oil from the oil changes. I was like checking for 
car batteries, making sure there's enough uh, energy there and just move more of the light work. Right. And then I would just always shadow when I see someone taking out a transmission. And so I was there for like maybe like a year and I was working like part time or whatnot. And it was like a friend of a family. So, you know, I, you know, so it, I, that was like my first real job with I had paychecks. And then my last job that I had was I would actually I used to uh, work for Apple. So oh, I was okay. like, <clears throat> yeah, and that was like that's a uh, change. Twenty eight years ago, yeah, eight years ago, I was um, uh, that was my last job that I've had, and um, just been a full time entrepreneur since. And I just knew once again, um, so I not to say I had pride or anything, but I just don't like living. I don't like being an inconvenience just, or feeling as if I'm an inconvenience to someone. Okay. And he never made me feel that way at all. But I'm just more so like, listen, if I'm gonna do it once again, it's all or nothing. I'm gonna have to do it. And I didn't want to become content. I didn't want to become comfortable where it's like, okay, well, you know, now if I didn't get this job or if I didn't get this, but I'm okay because I'm not paying rent or I'm not, rather than if you just dive into it, you know, rents do, you know, so it's, you have to make something happen. Yeah. Yeah. And then you're under a lot more pressure and, and exactly. you'll, you'll give in to something that, that, that's going to help you get that paycheck that you're going to need. So yeah, exactly. So and like they say, let the, let the, let, let the pressure of, friction polish you not destroy you so i I always yeah so you know when times are rough like they say you know pressure um makes diamonds and whatnot so i I literally i i just always kept the macro vision and i just didn't take any jobs where i needed don't get me wrong i i was thinking like should i become a dishwasher (laughs) you know just for like (laughs) just for for a week just to make sure i make rent and um yeah and it was crazy and just kind of going off track just a bit but I would turn down jobs still, even when I was broke, because they just didn't really line up with my macro. And I remember having a call with my mom once. She was like, Marcus, you know, you need money in order to live and pay rent. Right. And I'm like, yeah, but it's a BS job. I feel like it's disrespectful. You might as well pay me for free. You know, you might, I might as well ask me to do it for free. But yeah. And, um, but you know, Every man makes their own choice. (laughs) That's true. That's true. So you're out hustling, working, getting in front of the doorman every night. What's your first big break (laughs) in New York? My first big break was, so I was always stylish. And a great thing about fashion is, although I can be dead broke, my bank account can be not even zero dollars, but negative whatever. I've been there. I always looked great because I would always get free clothes. So from designers, because I've always had like a distinct style and they always wanted me to like represent their brand or whatever oh, okay. the case is. And this is when Instagram was booming. So I knew um, a couple of photographer friends who would just take street style shots of me, oh, okay. whatever the case is. So my first big break, I Lacoste actually um, was doing a creative campaign where they featured select individuals i want to say it was only like three people from new york it was in just different um countries okay so they featured me to become or to be one of their influencers for the entire campaign which i was it was a year campaign i was in a i was in an exhibition in south korea i was in a i was all throughout their website where they told my story my a small little bio about me oh, wow. long story short that led to me now and them checking my workout because in between when I first moved to New York, I was test shooting still just to build my portfolio and things like that. Okay. And I fell in love with set design. Once again, it's, it's although I, I am a creative director, but it's just the story selling part, whether it be visually, whether it be um, whatever the case is. So 
I used to, used to set design and or I used to help the set designer for my for my shoots. So the Lacoste individual at the time, I forgot her title, but she was just like, oh, I got to introduce. She was like, oh, this. So she was going through my work. I just at the time I had an iPhone and <laughs> she was going through my work on my phone. I had it in my photo album. And she was just like, oh, my gosh, like your environments or your set design is, is beautiful here. Like, who does this? Like, you know, because we're actually we have a shoot coming up for a new fragrance that we're about to launch. And we're looking for like a designer. Mm-hmm. Um, so if you could put me in contact. And I was like, well, I actually did that one, which I actually did that yeah. specific one. Yeah. And she was just like, wow. She was like, do you set design? And I'm like, I can, yeah. you know, I never, <laughs> not yet. I, I, yeah. What, what <laughs> yeah. do you think? Look at this. Yeah, 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 exactly. She gave me that opportunity and wow. that led to, oh, also you're a stylist. So not only did I did the set design for that entire um, fragrance launch, but I also, we, they had like uh, mannequins where they had like, uh, where they were wearing Lacoste because they came out with like a new line um, for men at the time. So I designed, I styled their mannequins and I also did the set design from there. And then that led into me having like a, now a interior design slash set design type of jobs where that's how the Amazon came about, where I did like a, um, Amazon fashion was huge. They they were first launching actually. So I did um, two, I did a, I did their entire Amazon fashion like launch party, as well as I did a it was like another random event that they did as well so from there it, it just like literally just kept going and going and then i was worked with um tyra banks where i did like the entire uh, coordination where i booked the entire team or whatnot it was for a publication it was actually for a cover shoot as well okay. and then i also assisted with the styling on that so so is that how you rolled into photography was it a similar so, story so uh, photography, I wouldn't even call myself a photographer, to be honest with you, but I, me being a creative director and me venturing off and exploring the city, I always like to capture the things that I see so I can better visual, visually explain to the photographer, whoever I were to book, whether it be for a brand or if it's for a publication or whatnot, mm-hmm. I need to be able to describe it to them better. Right. And once again, I didn't go to school for photography. I didn't go to school for fashion or anything. So my terminology is not always spot on. So I like to just say, here, look, <laughs> this is what I mean. You know what I mean? <laughs> so, okay. That makes sense. Yeah, I started. And then from there, it's just, um, I just kind of grew and fell in love with environmental photography. And I, then I started doing, um, um, still life photography just a bit, but I wouldn't once again call myself a photographer in any kind of way, but I do have the vision and I know exactly how I want it to look. Okay. And then I just more so work with photographers or whatnot. So, well, I've seen your work and, and as a person who studied photography, I'm, it's impressive. It's very, Thank you. technically it's very, very well composed. Exposures are great. Everything looks, it, it looks very, very good. In fact, Looking on the website, I, I think they're almost e- even better on the website than than the prints that I've seen, which is kind of backwards in my mind because I grew up mm-hmm. in, in a time where digital was brand new, and every time mm-hmm. uh, every time when Photoshop came out, everything looked like Max Headroom, and like, you know, with stupid eighties. Everything looked like South yeah. Park on, yeah. on Photoshop. Yeah. Photoshop was awful, but yeah, <laughs> it, but uh, I'm I think you're doing great work. So um, thank you. That and, and I guess 
the work that I've seen is through your foundation, uh, straightforward. How did that start up? How did you get involved? Is that something, is that your foundation? Did you found it and, and create it from the ground up? And how did, uh, how did you get, well, for, I guess, I guess the best thing to say is what is it about? Yeah. So straightforward foundation. Um, so this is now me in my prime of styling and, and, and creative directing. And this is me now having my resume and portfolio reflecting from Tyra Banks to Kevin Hart to Outkast to GQ to Vogue. And I was fresh off of a um, Harper's Bazaar cover that I did. So I, I was very like prominent and like in my prime. Like I was like, okay, guys, like I'm, I'm, I'm established now. I'm here. Yeah, I'm here. I'm here, guys. <laughs> so, and now I was getting invites to the parties. I didn't even have to crash them anymore. Yeah. <laughs> so, <laughs> so I definitely feel like I was here. Nice. Your name and, was actually um, on the list. <laughs> my name was actually on the list. Yeah, and I they gave me plus fives. They gave me plus two. Wow. Like, All right, guys. Yeah, I'm not yeah. even only on the list, but I can bring other people now. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> and but I I I felt as if I was I was becoming I was becoming it was. It was like a robotic approach, not approach, but I became, I became robotic, sort of say, because okay. although I was getting these big covers and uh, editorials and working with these huge companies, I became, I was like in a rat race because I was like, okay, what's next? I just got this. What's next? I just got that. What's next? What's next? What's right, next? What's next? Right. And it was, it just became too quickly. Like I literally, and I remember my sister was like, Marcus, are you, are you, are you actually sitting down and appreciating and valuing all these blessings that you're getting? And I was just like, cause I would tell her, she would tell me, Marcus, Oh my God, I see you got the cover. Harvard, blah, blah, blah. Cause it came to a point where I didn't even tell like certain, not even certain people, not purposely, but I would just put it on Instagram or I put it on Facebook and then I'd be working on my next thing coming. So yeah. people would call me, Oh my God, I just seen that you had a cover. Blah, blah, blah. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I did. That was like three weeks ago. Cause although, you know, the shoot happened, a month or two months sometimes yeah. I just put it out once I was able to, to do it. And you're already and on like, oh, your yeah, next that's, that's thing. I'm wearing on my next two, three, four, five things. Yeah. So I'm like, yeah, yeah, yeah. That was the past. Whatever. <laughs> but I'm about to da, 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 da. So, you know, and, but she was just like, you need to really sit down and you need to just appreciate and live in the present, live in the moment. And then, so although she told me that at the specific time, I was like, yeah, okay, cool. I call you back. But it still stuck with me. You know what I mean? It, oh, yeah. it was just like, you know, she's right. Like, she's right. Because I was always, what's next? What's next? And I became, I feel like I lost my, it wasn't fulfilling to me. Okay. And I didn't really start with a purpose. I just knew I was great at styling. I knew I was great at coming up with visual stories and creative directing and things like that. And because I had so much fun with it, I really kept going. But I didn't have a purpose like, oh, I'm going to use this to save the world or whatever the case right. is. Or, okay. or I want to become the best. Of the, it was just, I was great at it. I had talent. And I you're like doing it. it. Yeah, exactly. So, and, and at a high level too. At yeah. that. And, you know, moving from Atlanta to New York to competing with some of the best in the world and being able to compete with them now. And, you know, so I, uh, I knew I had a gift. And from the straightforward foundation now, that came about, I have a friend, and this is when I first moved to New York. I felt like I met her. And so I've been in New York now for five years. And when I met her, it was like four years, a year after, and she has scoliosis. But I never knew that up until 
like two years of me knowing her. So she had a gala to attend and she was like, Hey Marcus, can you stop me for the gala? I love your work. I know you're going to you know, make me look flawless, blah, blah, blah. I'm like, yeah, perfect. Uh, why don't you actually come to a, a set that I had? I shoot and being that I was a creative director, I can kind of call the shots more so, so I can venture off if I need to, whatever the case is. All right. So she came to the set when I'm thinking gala. So I'll pull like, you know, shoulderless dresses, backless dresses, just to accentuate like the neck, the back line, really make her just look very sexual, like very sexy, very in a tasteful manner mm-hmm. and just elegant. Like I wanted her to really right. just like, what are you wearing? People just stare at her. You know what I mean? So yeah, yeah. put all this stuff and she came to the set. And once I, you know, taking out of the bags and I had a few assistants at, at that specific shoot, steaming the clothing, everyone was like, Oh my God, like, am I going to wear this? Or is this going to be used in the shoot? And did I, and me knowing and feeling like, you know, at this time I felt like I knew what I was doing with my career and I knew what looked good and looked, <laughs> what looked great. So, I, you know, so she was just like, so I knew the clothing looked really, really great. And so she comes in and she's looking through the clothing and, oh my God, this is gorgeous. I love this. Da, da, da. But then she'll look, she'll kind of take it off the rack, turn it towards the back. She sees that the back is exposed. She's like, mm, but I don't know if this will look good on me. So she puts it back and then another one. Oh, this is great. I love the color. I love the shape, whatever, whatever. Look towards the back. Say the shoulders and the back is uh, showing. Uh, this may not fit me that well, that well, though. And then just really coming up with an excuse for the rest of the pieces that I had, which was like maybe 12 at the time, which was a lot. So I was like, hey, what you see here on the rack, and I had like a dress in my hand, what you see here on this hanger is could look completely different from when you actually put it on. Try it out. And then everyone, like all the other models and the makeup artists and my assistants were like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, What's wrong with you? Try this on. You know, so she then says, hey, do you mind if I speak to you in the back? So at the time I was like, OK, because I'm very once again, I'm Jamaican. So we're known for being blunt. We're known for being like, you know, ruthless with like the truth. So I was literally just started questioning myself and backtracking the entire conversation. And once she first came to the shoot and even when I was calling or texting her like did i say anything wrong did i you thought you were in like, trouble what, what? i thought i was in trouble i definitely thought i was in trouble <laughs> so then she brings me in the back and she's like hey i absolutely love everything that you have you know i'm like a huge fan of yours but and when she's saying but and she's speaking a tear just literally just falls from her eye and i'm like okay now i'm like okay i know i did something now like yeah. now i know like this is no like i what did i do so she starts crying and fast forwarding to the story, she tells me she has scoliosis. And once again, I have an athletic background from basketball, football. I knew the term, but I didn't know exactly what scoliosis was and how it affects the human body. Mm-hmm. So then she's like, here, I'll show you. So then she show, she lifts like her back up and or her, the back of her shirt up to show me. And she is living with a 65 degree curvature on top. And then like a 35 on the bottom. So it's very severe. That's pretty severe. If anyone knows. Yeah. And when I saw that, though, I just more so instantly looked at it as a more of a beautiful uniqueness than like a deformity. And something just clicked. Like my creative mind was just like, you know, this week I can really highlight and feature this and show, you know, this condition more so once again as a beautiful uniqueness. Um, and so I was asking her just a bunch of questions like, and even thinking of my own, on my own self, like, why haven't I ever seen any other huge campaign or 
not even other. Why haven't I seen a huge campaign for scoliosis in this condition? I've seen like the ALS. I've seen the, and I know a lot of people with like say back problems see commercials with that or, but just nothing specifically to scoliosis. Right. You know, your AIDS, your breast cancer, things of that nature. Yeah, so yeah. I was like, I want to do something that is on that same level, but just very creative and very artistic and very fashionable with, you know, which is like my background. So Straightforward Foundation, that's how they came about. And the name Straightforward, funny enough, is, you know, ideally one would want their spine to be straight. And not only is scoliosis a physical condition, but it's also a mental condition. And once again, I'm always, I'm a very solution-based person and a positive thinker. So I'm always thinking, like, how can we move forward? So straightforward. And also being that my heritage is Jamaican, we're very straightforward and blunt people. Right. So straightforward. And I'm straightforward. learning that. So that's how, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so that's how, that's how the name Straightforward Foundation uh, came about. And um, we basically, we highlight and celebrate very influential people who have scoliosis and, you know, in the future, other back um, or spinal deformity, should I say, where we celebrate and highlight their stories within a gallery like setting. And I partner with other fashionable brands, one Alex Anani, which is like a billion dollar jewelry brand. Right. They're one of my um, main sponsors. Um, now K2M, I have uh, scoliosis research society, SRS, and I'm looking, I don't want to drop any names now, but I'm also looking for um, other designers who I'm in talks with as well to be um, partners and sponsors. And it's just spreading awareness, educating, you know, it's designing for Alex Anani and then having a bracelet on someone. Oh, what is, I love that bracelet. What is it? Oh, this right here, when you purchase it, proceeds go back to the Straightforward Foundation, which raises awareness, um, you know, whatnot. So and our mission statement is to improve the quality of life of individuals, of uh, individuals affected by scoliosis through empowerment, education, preventative care. So we definitely are, I feel like we're onto something. It's a very refreshing and it's a new idea um, and approach with how we're taking the medical industry in this condition on. So as of right now, we've been very blessed as a foundation where our first year within our a campaign it's the I am straightforward campaign. That's like our hashtag mm -hmm. and like our phrase It's okay. like owning, owning anything that you're going through, you know, just really just not even owning, but thriving from it. You know, whatever you're going through in life or whatever the case is like, I am straightforward. I am brave. I am courage. I am or confident. So it's just really once again, owning that. And um, we had a beautiful photo exhibition last year. And we like had a kickoff gala night and Huffington posted like an amazing write up on us. And that was till this day. Mm -hmm. I did. I saw that the uh, photos from that, I, I believe that it's from this, the same photos that I saw. And what struck yeah. me, it was uh, the, the subject matter. I mean, and the subject matter is scoliosis, but the, the, the subjects of, of the artwork and yeah. you know, you've got um, a teacher in her, in her late sixties, you've got yeah. a young boy in elementary school and, and you can, you can imagine that, but th what what amazed me was two Victoria's Secrets models, an art mm -hmm. director who's pregnant, and mm -hmm. a dancer. And yep. if you know anything about scoliosis, just a little bit, you 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 know it's a spinal deformity, and you don't picture Victoria's Secret models, dancers, mm -hmm. uh, you know, art directors. Mm -hmm. you, you 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 always see the the 
the young kid affected, and it's but it's usually in a, in a foreign country or the older yep. lady who's had it for years and years, and mm-hmm. you don't see the people who are living with it day to day or who've had some kind of corrective surgery, but there's you know scarring and and, and mm-hmm. uh, things that maybe they're they're not happy about showing, and your artwork kind of, it focuses on it in an artistic way and shows that, you know, you can do something that that's creative, that's beautiful. You know, even with this condition, it's not, it doesn't have to be a, a handicap to what you want to do in life. Yeah, exactly. And, and once again, I'm really big on just diversity, just coming from where I'm from and being able to be accepted and introduced to specific industries and just friendships and brands or whatever the case is. So, I hold diversity very dear to my heart. And when I was looking and researching um, other scoliosis campaigns, if I found anything, like how you said, it was just young teenage girls. And it was more so just predominantly Caucasian um, individuals, just more so telling the story or if they had the surgery or whatever, because, you know, surgery is is really, really expensive. So those were the ones that were coming out and saying, you know, I had scoliosis, but I got the surgery, whatever the case is. But then in the real world, though, a lot of individuals, more individuals are living with scoliosis that are still non-surgical than than surgically treated. So I wanted to be able to really show all walks of life, whether you're whether you had the surgery, whether you didn't, whether you're Latina, whether you're black, whether you're Asian, whether you're white, whatever the case is. And I, I feel as if I reflected that with from a racial standpoint in my first year's campaign. And not only just with race, but from age, from profession, from um, what else? So it was in just inclusively and collectively, should I say, diversity from all angles and from right. from everything in general. So, and then it was the first of many. So it was my campaign was the first to ever or to ever display a pregnant woman living with scoliosis, as well as Lindsay Ellingson, one of the supermodels that I had featured. That was her first time she's ever, ever showed her back in a photograph. And she's a supermodel and she's been modeling her entire life. She's never had an image shown of her back. Wow. So at my foundation or at my um, first year's campaign, that was the first time she's ever done that. Uh, The the older woman as well. So it it was, um, I was very, it's a very proud, I was very proud of how the success turned out this year. It, you know, we plan on just really, really going bigger and just really, once again, I'm all or nothing where I'm in talks with um, the one of the directors over at the Juilliard School, which will be producing a benefit dance as well. Oh, and, you know, once again, I always try to go for the for the top dog. So, Mark, you know, people like Marcus, Juilliard, though? I'm like, yeah, Juilliard. <laughs> you sure? <laughs> like, you sure you want to do this? I'm sure I want to do this. Like. All I can get is a no. And yeah, exactly. coincidentally, she has scoliosis as well. So, you know, this is dear to her heart is, uh, too. So it's, it's. I have a lot of stuff coming up. I don't want to give too much details because oh, yeah, we're yeah, still yeah. in the works right now. But I partnered with this amazing painter. His name is uh, Michael Norton, where he just created a huge piece for us. It's like seven foot. Yeah, it's like seven feet long and like seven God. feet. It's, it's crazy. So. Wow. We'll be displaying that. Hopefully, you'll be there too. Our exhibition or our gala night opening party is going to be in September. We're still working on a date, cool. but either September sixth or seventh. But um, 
we'll be un- we'll be um, unveiling his piece there, as well as we're shooting new um, individuals and new participants and influential advocates for this year's campaign, which is our second annual. So, yeah, a lot of great stuff coming, and I'm just excited. That's fantastic. I I have one question for you about the subject matter, though. I. Mm-hmm. I- I know, and it's, you're always hearing about, like, just like you had mentioned, it's usually teenage girls, young girls with scoliosis. And mm-hmm. there was one young boy in your mm-hmm. artwork. Nostalgia. Yes. Mm-hmm. Amazing story. Wonderful story. And I, I encourage everybody. What is, what's the website that people can go to, to to read the stories? Yes. So it's, my website is www.straightforward foundation.org. All right. That's once again, straightforwardfoundation.org. So I noticed that he's the only male. Is it Mm -hmm. harder to get to find men with scoliosis or is it harder to get them to open up and talk about it or, or, or even show whatever surgeries they've had? Um, Mm -hmm. Because it does, I I know it it affects men. I actually, when I was little, I have, I have very minor scoliosis, Mm non-surgical. I don't have to have any surgery or anything, but when I was a, Mm -hmm. a, I guess I was like 12 years old and you know how they have you bend over and do that test and check your spine. Yeah, yeah. They said, you, you got a little bit of scoliosis. It's not going to be bad. It's not going to affect anything mm-hmm. really. I'm, I'm using that as my excuse as to why I'm only five foot six. So that's part of the reason. <laughs> but yeah, yeah. it could be my mom's five, two. That may be another reason, but, <laughs> but uh, is it harder to get men to be the subject of, of the stories and the artwork? So, um, funny enough, I actually didn't reach out to a lot of men at all. Um, mm-hmm. I reached out to two, one of them being uh, Usain Bolt, <laughs> which is Marcus. Wow. You sure you can do this? <laughs> yeah, I'm sure. <laughs> so he actually has scoliosis. And I feel like there was a direct relation. Wow. He's Jamaican. I'm Jamaican. I'm doing a scoliosis campaign. He has scoliosis. But I didn't get a reply. So if you're listening out, to this, man. Usain Bolt, if you're listening to this right now with the millions of uh, followers and viewers that you have, Mark, you know, uh, <laughs> <laughs> but um, <laughs> after you, maybe you retweet my link, I'm, I'm, I'm hoping okay. we'll get that. All right. <laughs> okay, okay. But um, but scoliosis actually affects women eight times more than men. So although men and uh, women can both have it and say it's like an equal number, but women, it becomes more debilitating to them where they have to get the surgery or their curvature is more so progress at a very um, more rapid rate or higher right. rate or whatever the case is. Okay. So I wanted to shoot once again, what is more reflective in reality, sort of saying, I know that, you know, it's more women are affected by it. So that's why I chose, but uh, this year I actually have two, two people, two um, men, um, very influential individuals that I'll be featuring. So excellent. Do you encourage people to reach out to you with their stories or are you you more reaching out to people with higher profiles to, to bring attention to it? So I'm actually working on a, so for my photo exhibition, I will always have, you know, everyone's in, everyone's story is unique. Everyone's influential to me and everyone is hearing their story is motivating to me, but I try to feature people who, can like not always celebrities, but just who can either one say they have a big social media following because at the end of the day, numbers do count and oh, yeah. the message can get out, you know, on a on a grander scale if 
you know, say Lindsay Ellingson once again, or the Martha Hunts can retweet or Instagram post, whatever the case is, and even the art director amongst her friends. So being that I'm so new, I mean, I'm trying to leverage as much um, as I can in order to continue to build and generate awareness. So, and then also, you know, the photos, those, and not even just from a financial aspect, but those are very expensive as well. So just featuring like, the photos alone, I think, was like 10K, uh, just rinsing them. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. Well, they're very just large. The photos, yeah. They're very they're, large. Yeah, 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 yeah. They're big. They're uh, four feet by five feet. So, <sighs> um, yeah. So, and then I'm also creating a new campaign, which I'll be calling the Street Exhibition, where I'll feature individuals from all over the world. And, you know, just as long as you have scoliosis and you are thriving or just even trying to, not even just, okay, I'm, you know, I... I I'm the most positive person, whatever the case is, but as, as long as you're trying and as long as you're not letting it defeat you, I want to feature you. I want to hear your story and work with you. So, and within our street exhibitions, we hope to feature like 30 to 40 individuals at a time. Oh, wow. That's mm-hmm. awesome. Well, look, I've kept you a, a quite a long time tonight. I really do appreciate your time. Where can people follow you and, and your, your career and straightforward foundation? How can they, uh, follow you on, on social media um, and get up with you if they want to share their stories about scoliosis. Yeah. So please reach out um, in order, in regard to following up or reaching out to me from a scoliosis uh, standpoint, please follow us on Instagram. Uh, our Instagram and Facebook page is straightforward foundation. Um, our hashtag is I am straightforward. You can find us there as well. And I check those uh, I check out hashtag mentions all the time. And personally, my Instagram is style Marcus John. That's J O H N. So style Marcus John. My personal Instagram is you can check who I've been styling or working with or creating for the latest and just a little more personally about me or whatever the case is. And my personal website is www.stylemarcusjohn.com. So you can check out some of my creative directing work and styling work. All right. I appreciate you coming on. And it was a pleasure speaking to you, Mark. I had a wonderful time. and Thank you, man. I look forward to seeing your success and interviewing you on a podcast, probably. It's NFL draft season, and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football. FantasyPoints.com features industry-leading experts and prognosticators using proprietary hand-charted data to help you score more fantasy points. FantasyPoints.com is the place to go for whatever kind of fantasy football you play. Whether you play fantasy football, daily fantasy sports, or do a little bit of everything, Fantasy Points has the meticulously researched content to guide you to victory. 
and why wait for the fall? Fantasy Points also covers the new spring football league, the UFL. Join the guru, John Hansen, Scott Barrett, Joe Dolan, and other massive names in the fantasy football universe with an exclusive offer. Use code Pantheon for 15% off any Fantasy Points package, including the all-in package, with access to every article, tool, and data nugget that Fantasy Points has to offer. That's FantasyPoints.com and code Pantheon for 15% off at Fantasy Points. FantasyPoints.com, code Pantheon. Score more Fantasy Points. 